we had a great event yesterday. Um, I counted probably 10,000 people. So that was my, that was my internal count. Yeah, I'm rounding down. This, you have to get rid of, you have to get used to pastor hyperbole. It is, <laughs> make stuff up. Um, no, but uh, realistically, we, we didn't count because the Bible says you're not supposed to count your army. But um, we think that there was probably around a thousand people. But there was a very strong consensus that this was the biggest turnout we've ever had for Fall into Fun. And... So I want to give a special thanks to our creative team, our pastoral team, our leadership team, our teardown team, our setup team, our ad, or all of our volunteers, everybody that, that made that pulled it off so that we could make families and kids smile with joy. Right. It was a huge win, huge success. So, you know, thank you very much. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, and for even financially making it happen, too. Uh, we couldn't have done that community event without you. So thank you very much. And that seed that was planted tonight, I, I, it's really hard to, to, under, to get a picture of what, will, what God will do with it. But I guarantee you, like, lives will be changed. So good job, church. You're awesome. Good job. Uh, you bought donkeys, right? You guys rented donkeys and little animals, and it was very fun and cute. Um, Susie Q Pets. Uh, that family has been with us for 20 years. They are, they are a part of the Granite Creek family. Uh, you know, in some ways, I know them better than I know you. I've known them for 20 years. And they're, they're more to us than just the animal vendors. We view them as part of our Granite Creek family. And I don't know if they've even ever worshipped with us. I know that they watch us online every once in a while. But we've done life with them. We've picked up manure with them. Um, when they were going through hard times, our church was there to pray with them. And so th they're a family. I was talking to the matriarch last night after the event was done. His name is Kim. And I learned after, <laughs> not this Kim, I learned something new that I did not know about, about what they do. I discovered that Kim currently owns 60 donkeys. <laughs> now, not stuffed Eeyores or collectible plates. She owns 60 living, breathing, miniature donkeys. At one time, she had over 100. And so I'm curious. All right, you're like 60 little donkeys. Like, what do, you, what, what do you do with 60 little donkeys? And she's like, well, I, I love them. I, I, I take care of them, you know. Sometimes people want to buy them from me, and I'll reluctantly sell them. I did not know this. But there's like pedigrees for donkeys. I did not know. I mean, this is for real. Uh, I mean, I have, a, I have a purebred dog. I know I'm all bougie now because I have a purebred. It's the first one we've ever had. So my dog has papers. And little did I know that these donkeys have papers. 
and Kim can track their lineage all the way back to Sicily and Italy, the original, you know, little beasts of burden that they are. She once had somebody track her down because they knew that she had some special donkeys. So some rich dude tracked her down, shows up at her ranch, and starts buying miniature donkeys. Like, like who does that, right? I'll take, and like, literally, I'll take that one, I'll take that one. Just this rich guy starts buying these little donkeys. And he's like, how much is that one? And she's like, that's my baby. That one's not for sale. And he's like, honey, everything's for sale. Name your price. And she's like, $5,000. And he said, okay. And she's like, oh, I should have said seven. <laughs> right? So there's things I didn't know about donkeys. Donkeys are important, obviously. They have papers. I told her a Bible story about some famous donkeys. Uh, the very first king of Israel. Do you guys know who the first king of Israel is? Saul, good job, you guys. Get a gold star. Saul, not King David. King Saul was the first king of Israel. And he had some donkeys, and he lost his donkeys. So he goes on this little journey to find his donkeys. This is before he was the king. He's just a young, tall, good-looking guy. He's a little insecure. He kind of worries about what people think of him. He likes praise. He, you know, he's just he's just a he's a typical kind of you know good looking but a little insecure guy like most of us. Right? So he goes looking for his donkeys. He leaves his family. He's gone for a long time, and by divine providence, he runs into a holy man, a prophet of God, a prophet of God, Samuel, who has been given an assignment to find the first king. And Saul is the guy. And God tells the holy man, Saul is the guy that's going to be the king of Israel. Samuel approaches him and says, you're going to be the prince. And whether he liked it or not, he gets anointed on the spot. says, okay, this is like an official ceremony. You are becoming the king in the moment. God's showing up and it's going to happen. So he gets anointed. You know, they, they used oil and it's, there's all kinds of symbolism with the oil. Don't have time to get into that. But they anoint his head with oil. And the Spirit of God falls upon Saul in such a way that he goes into like a, prof a prophetic state or a trance-like. So like we don't know. We don't know exactly what happened. Uh, in short, he has a religious experience with the power of God over overwhelms him. And it probably... Whatever he was experiencing, it would probably freak most of us out. So, on this little, you know, donkey finding journey, he becomes anointed the very first king of God's people, and he has an intense religious experience. A few days later, he comes home. His family, like, dude, you have been gone for a very long time. What have you been doing? His response was, I was looking for donkeys. No mention that he was anointed king. No mention that he had an incredible experience. He just says, I was looking for donkeys. Why is that important? It's because donkeys are cool and they're important. That's the only reason why. Um, 
But, okay, in the long run, I mean, in his interpersonal stuff, like he didn't want to give testimony of what God was doing. He was afraid of what people would think. That's one way to look at it. Again, the other way to look at it for purposes of our message today, donkeys are important. So important, in fact, not only do they have papers, but donkeys are so important, in fact, that Jesus, when he enters into Jerusalem in the triumphant entry before he faces the cross, and he, he, gets, a, he gets an entry with, with the palm branches, and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They are recognizing Jesus as king. It's a, it's a triumphal entry. It's what the Romans did, and it's what the, the Jewish warlords would do whenever they won a battle, whenever they're going out, that they would, they would give them this, this victory entry. And this is what they're giving Jesus. And Jesus chooses a donkey to ride in on. Um, people come up with all kinds of reasons why, but he could have easily have chosen the black stallion. That's what I would have come in on. I like, give me a warhorse. A little donkey? I mean, they're cute and they got big ears and stuff, but why would why would Jesus choose this this donkey, this beast of burden to enter into his triumph? Well, there's something very important about it. It's, it, it's, it's actually key. This beast of burden, any beast of burden, is literally the cornerstone of our theology, and it goes in deep, deep into the heart of who God is. He chose a donkey for a reason. He chose a donkey, beast of burden, because Jesus came to serve. He came to serve. He came to serve you. He came to serve me. He came to serve humanity. The series on the biography of Yahweh that we are in is this, like, like I want to get to know God better. Where I'm at, it's not bad, but it can get better. My relationship with God can get better. I choose not to plateau off. I choose tomorrow to be 1% better with my relationship with God, to know him a little bit better. Can you get on board with me on that? Like, you can get to know God better. There is, we talked about getting to know God by just reading the scriptures. It's a no-duh. We get to know God better by praying. We get to know God better by Sabbathing. Uh, we get to know God better by being in nature. How many people did their homework last week and were good Christians and they got out in nature? And, and you, you just like, it, it might have taken some time, but like, oh, hello, Yahweh. There you are. You get to know God that way. You get to know God by being like him. A few weeks ago, we learned that you can get to know God by, by taking on his attributes as a creator. God is a creator. Whether you are a crafty person or not, you are a creator too. You have a life to create. And you're either going to create a masterpiece or a dumpster fire. You get to choose what you create with your life. And so, in order to get to know God better in that aspect, you need to begin to think like God thinks. God is a creative God, and therefore, he is calling us to be a creative people, to creatively 
and supernaturally solve life's problems. He's given us those abilities. Likewise, if you want to get to know God better, you must serve because God's a servant. Have you ever hit a roadblock in your spiritual growth and maturity? Have you ever been like reading the Bible and it's like, it's just a little dry. It's not meaning uh, as much as it once did. Have you ever come to worship and you're just not moved emotionally in the worship setting as you once were before? Have you ever tried to talk to God in your prayer life and you get crickets in return? Is this just Pastor Josh or have you ever had this experience? One breakthrough. There are many. But one way to break through the stale, dry, spiritual experience is to become like God and to serve. Again, he, he came to serve, not to, not to be served. And it is, it, it, it's, it's a vital, crucial cornerstone to faith, to serving. So if you want to get unstuck, well, take a moment to get your attention off of your internal problems and think about and pray about how you can serve someone else. Now, in the scriptures, I'm going to show you how this is such a crucial part of what we believe and how we live our lives in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. In Ezekiel and in Isaiah, there are some very weird images, descriptions of angels. We call them the seraphim or the cherubim, depending on which book you're reading. Sometimes these angels are individual beings with different characteristics. Sometimes it's one being with four different faces. In the book of Ezekiel, this being, this angel, has a face of a man, a face of a lion, a face of an eagle, and then a face of a beast of burden. These angels fly around in the presence of God and they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God most high. When Jesus came and when they formed the Gospels, the good news, the, the message of Jesus Christ, Jesus' story told to us through the Gospels, we see each Gospel has its own characteristics, its own traits. If you read the Gospels critically, you're going to be like, wait a minute, these don't line up and this story doesn't match this story and chronologically they're all out of sync. Um, like if, if you read the, the gospel synoptically or in, in, a, in a parallel, and if that wrecks your faith, you're just not reading the Bible right. Because that's not the purpose of the different versions. The different versions, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are different perspectives on who Jesus is, and they apply specifically to you, each specific version. And what... God has done is that he's applied the images 
the symbols of these angels to the four Gospels. If you grew up Catholic or Orthodox or maybe Lutheran, you have, you have seen some powerful imagery of the four Gospels with these symbols. Now, to highlight this, each, each Gospel has a symbol of one of these angels, right? So one of the Gospels has an image of a man, another Gospel has the image of a lion, and another Gospel has the image of the eagle, and another Gospel has the image of the ox, the beast of burden. Theologians argue and disagree which symbol belongs to which gospel. They haven't figured it out. But this is what I like. These are the theologians I read. The gospel of Matthew starts off with you know, the nativity, but more importantly, this long genealogy of who Jesus is, his parents, grandparents, dating all the way back to the kings and dating all the way back to King David. Not Saul, but King David. And, Crystal, let's go ahead and bring up the little four, the four slides so I can give people an image. So the Gospel of Matthew is symbolized by the royal signet of a lion because the main purpose and the main drive and the focus of the Gospel of Matthew is to illustrate to the Jewish people, to God's people, that Jesus is the King, that He is the Messiah. In fact, we got proof to show it. We have His lineage. There's no other Gospel that does this. There's no other Gospel that focuses on Jesus from this perspective. But Jesus is the King in that one Gospel. The Gospel of Luke, well... Luke was a, we believe that he was a doctor, a physician, and he gets very tactile in the way that Jesus is interacting with people. Jesus is God in the flesh, but he is also fully man. And so we see the gospel of Luke tapping into the humanity of who Jesus is, saying that Jesus is just like, in, in many ways, just like you and me, in that he's experienced the spectrum of our emotions and our fears. He knows exactly what we're going through. Why? It's because that Jesus is a man just like you and I are. So that gospel is represented by the gospel of, of Luke, the, the man. All right, my favorite gospel, it's different than the other three, but it's the gospel of John. And the symbolism I like for this one is the eagle. Why? It's because Jesus is God. And this eagle symbolizes that he is above everything. It symbolizes the spirit. But Jesus is God. He is, he is divine. Gospel of John, right out of the gate, focuses on the divinity of Jesus Christ. Everything was made by Jesus and for Jesus He's God. Start thinking about that. Gospel of John is amazing. You get on those eagle wings of John, and you read that thing, and you begin to fly. It's awesome. Matthew, Luke, and John are all identity types of books. 
Matthew goes over the identity of who Jesus is as a king, as a Messiah, right? Luke goes over the identity of who Jesus is as a man. John goes over the identity of who Jesus is as a God, as the God. The Gospel of Mark, well, there's not necessarily an identity there. It's not, it's not a noun. It's a verb, because that one's the beast of burden. That's the servant. And the Gospel of Mark describes Jesus as the suffering servant that came to serve humanity, to serve us. It's the act, there, there's no identity in it because it's all action, it's all doing, it's all movement. Jesus came to do this thing, to serve humanity. Grab your books, and we're going to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. We're going to start off on verse 35, skip some in the middle part, and bounce down to verse 41. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. All right, so our great disciples, um, our, our amazing men of God, uh, they're arguing about stuff. There's a disagreement. They're, they're, not, they're not seeing eye to eye on things. Imagine that. Okay, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Okay, full stop right there. What's a big problem <laughs> with these two guys? Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask. Answer our prayers. I mean, it's not even in a form thing. It's like, just we want you to do whatever. Just do for us, God. It's, it's all about us. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. And then they say, well, let it, we, want to, we, want, we want honor. We want glory. We want, we want to sit at your right hand and on your left hand. We want everybody looking at us. We want to be recognized. Yeah? We want to be noticed. We want to be put on display. Down to verse 41. When the other ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. No duh, right? Jesus called them together and he said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Okay, so first off, right at the gate, uh, Jesus has disunity in his number. And his top 12 guys, they're, they're arguing and they're bickering. And what does Jesus do? He, like, they're polarized. We understand these days what it means to be polarized, right? Our entire society is polarized. You name the category. Race, religion, economics, politics. We're, we're a polarized people. It sucks. But what does Jesus do to polarized people? He brings them together. He gathers them up and he begins to love on them and he begins to give them a kingdom perspective rather than a worldly perspective. What does Jesus do to the authorities of this, of this age and of the, of the past age, of the worldly age? What does he do to the way that the world runs? He says, oh, this is, the Gentiles, they lord over people. The Gentiles, they exercise authority over people. 
Uh, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, not so with you. You don't have the right to be this way. That's a tough thing to hear. Because we're in the world and we're playing by the world's games. But Jesus says, no, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. You don't, you don't have the luxury to play the way that they play. Because you are not a player, you are a servant. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first this is really highly offensive, must be a slave. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to what? To serve. And to give his life as a ransom, that's this thing right here, the cross, as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve humanity. He came in on a, on a beast of burden. Again, I want to get to know God better. When I get stuck, I need to begin to think like Jesus, and I need to begin to act like Jesus. When study falls short, you need to start acting like Jesus. Turn with me to the book of Philippians. I have some homework for you this week. Here's additional homework. If you are blue, if you are anxious, if you are dealing with depression, um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're having a hard time, read Philippians. Like some, I'm going to do this someday. Someday I'm just going to get up here and I'm going to read the whole book instead of preach. Because this book preaches itself. It's so awesome. If you're down in the dumps, read Philippians. Anyway, here we go. Chapter 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, capital S, if any tenderness, if any compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. See, once again, through the scriptures and the writings of Paul, we see Jesus gathering people up, trying to unify them, getting them to become of like mind. That is the Spirit's journey right now, is to bring His church together and to make them of a like mind. Having the same love, being of one Spirit and of one purpose. All right, you guys ready? Hang on to your seats. This is where it gets really tough. This is where you got to look in the mirror. This is where you have to do a soul check. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This is very difficult for only children to do. I do everything out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. I'll eat all the cookies. I don't know how to share. It's all about me. Do nothing out of selfish, selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. 
Which others? All the others. That, that, that's, that's really difficult to get into our heads. Consider others better than yourselves? I don't want to do that. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's spiritual communism. All right, let me just, let me just take a little break real quick because that probably just like threw everybody off right there. I strongly believe that communism is evil because it's devoid of God. It's an instrument of the enemy of God. Absolutely, 100%. I'm all in. I've been to communist countries after the fall, before the fall. They're evil. They oppress people. They push people down. It's the worst possible thing. But in God's economy, we are to take care of one another as if in some type of a weird commune. It's, this, it's what the Bible says. Churches are always saying, we need to get back to the Acts 2 church. You don't want to do Acts 2 church, everybody. I guarantee you, you don't want to do Acts 2 church. Because if you do, if you really want to be super spiritual, that means that you all need to bring in your mortgages and give them to Granite Creek Community Church, and we, the church will own your house. Who wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that. And we'll screw it up anyway. So the system we got going right now is pretty dang good. You know, it allows um, only children like me to be able to, to function and to love one another. The, what we got going on is pretty good. Regardless, what God's calling us into is to serve others and not serve ourselves. To put others' interests above our own. It's very difficult for a selfish society to do. It's very difficult for Americans to do this stuff. Because we're building the American dream. And I love the American dream, don't get me wrong. But I can't get away from the word of God that says that we're, we're called to serve others. Your attitude, your attitude should be that and the same as that of Christ Jesus. Our attitude, our mindset, our optics, our drive, not only what we think but how we act, should be the same as Jesus. I know that's an impossible task to reach, but that's, that's the goal. That's the ultimate thing. That's why we have to get better and better each and every day. We can't stay stuck. We can't stay stagnant. We, our attitude should be the same as Christ, who, being in the very nature, so now we're going to get into the true nature and attitude of who Jesus is, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. This is getting into the Gospel of John, the eagle metaphor. He is... God. Jesus is God. Boom. That's a mind-blowing thought. And yet, made himself nothing. So God that created everything just made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a what? Of a servant, of a beast of burden, a dumb donkey, to serve humanity. being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess. It's going to happen someday, maybe someday soon. Everyone's going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus humbled himself for one specific purpose, to serve us. And when we want to become more like him, again, we must serve. Back to Gospel of John. You know this one. This is John 3.16. It's getting back into the heart of Yahweh, the very heart of who God is, his nature, his character, the cornerstone of theology. It is so familiar to us that it it just bounces off us, but, but you need to hear it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he chose to sacrifice and to serve it. Did you see that? It was uncomfortable. It was not easy. It was an inconvenience for Jesus to take on human form. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe in him will not perish, but what? Will have eternal life. So we get this. This is the servant attitude of who God is. It applies to us when we want to get to know God better. For Mike so loved the world that he gave 30 minutes of his precious time to pray for and minister to a marriage that was falling apart. For Janie so loved the world that she spent $7 on a Starbucks drink and gave it to the car behind her so that somebody would feel the joy of the Lord in a moment. For Joe so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Saturday mornings to fill boxes for the poor. When you do these acts of generosity, of kindness, of gentleness, of caring, when you do these acts, it's more than warm fuzzies. You literally tap into the heart of God, and you know God better. If you have ever been kind to somebody and given them an encouraging word from the Lord or given them something that they needed, and it resonates with their spirit, tear comes down their face and they see the love of God that you are presenting. You go, kind of like in nature, you go, hello, Yahweh. Relationship with Lord begins there. Mother Teresa had this saying that's kind of disturbing, but unfortunately it's very true. She says, I don't serve the poor. I, I serve Jesus. 
Whenever I see a, a starving child, I'm not serving the starving child. I'm, I'm serving the Christ that's in that child. And so when she does that act, when she did that act, she is literally going into an intimate relationship with God by serving. Can, can you guys see that connection? So your homework is to find somebody to serve this week. Here's the catch. It is in the nature of God, like God's love for us. It's in his heart. It's in his nature. And you ready? How does God love us? God loves us what? Unconditionally, right? We don't earn his love. So when you serve, it has to be 100% from the heart of God, which is unconditional, meaning that there is no selfish ambition, ambition or vain conceit. Vain conceit means that you help somebody, you buy them a coffee, and then you post it on Instagram saying, look at me, look how awesome I am. Okay? Meaning that, look, there's a million things that I could get you to volunteer for. This is probably one of the biggest mistakes in my life, to, to tell you this right now. But this week, I don't want you to serve Granite Creek. I want you to serve your brothers and sisters. You won't get any credit for it. You won't get any recognition. I don't want to hear about how awesome you are. Don't be a James. Don't be a John of the Gospels that say, I want to sit at your right hand and your left hand because we're awesome. Like, to serve God as if you're going into relationship with him. And you'll, you'll catch a dimension and an aspect of God that maybe you haven't seen before. So close your eyes for a second. Like we're going hard. We're going hard in, in this one. Close your, close your eyes. And let's just ask the Holy Spirit to bring someone into your mind in whom you are to serve. Meaning that you're going to be the donkey that's going to carry Jesus into somebody's pain. Who does that person look like? Do you know them? Do you like this person? Do you hate this person? Maybe you don't have a person yet, but you have a, a shadow of, of someone or a group of somebody that, that you know that God's calling you to serve. And again, you might not want to serve this person, and it might be uncomfortable. It might, be, it might mess with your convenience. You might have to do something that you don't want to do just so that you can serve somebody. All right, I'm going to go here. I got vaccinated because, well, I kind of felt like I needed to. But more importantly, I got vaccinated so I could go into hospitals to pray for people. It was an inconvenience. But I took that chance so that I would have access to people. Does that make sense? That's a very low risk. We're going to, at the end of the service, we're going to pray for short-term missionaries that are risking a lot more than a vaccination shot. They're risking their lives. So who is God bringing into your mind? 
and I want you to be nice to this person. I want you to be the blessing for this person. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's an employee. Maybe it's somebody on the street. Maybe it's a neighbor. Be nice to this person because, not because you're going to get rewarded, not because we're going to post it on Instagram for you, not because you're going to tell me later and have a testimony, I'm going to pat you on the back and say, good job. No, you're going you're to be nice to somebody. You're going to show God's love to somebody because it's the right thing to do. Because, again, it's the very nature and character of God. So who is this person that God has highlighted to you? You might even write it down in your bulletin because chances are you're going to forget about my sermon 30 minutes into lunch today. So just write it down. Like, who is God calling you, again, to be the donkey for, to be the servant for, that, that beast of burden, to be action? Again, not just pure identity, not just a king, not just a, a god, not just a man, but a servant, a servant king, a servant god, a servant man. Who's he calling you to meet to? And again, when you do this, expect to get to know Yahweh better because that's where he's at. He is in the brokenness and the hurting of your everyday friends and family. That's where he's at. And he wants to meet you there. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this beautiful church family that truly has a generous spirit. I pray that you will just continue to bring us and our other brothers and sisters from other churches into the same mind, into unity, a complete and utter focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that we will be motivated to love like Jesus loves, to serve like Jesus serves, to function in power the way that Jesus functioned in power, to be creative like he was. I pray right now that you will give us what we don't have so that we can be the body of Christ, so that we could be your hands for serving, we can be your feet for going, we can be your mouthpieces for declaring how good you are. We thank you, Lord. I'd like to invite our Kid Care short-term mission team up to the front. Tomorrow, Pastor Larry, Pastor Mandy, McKenna Maglio, and Regan Schmaltz are going. They are going to serve the poor in Africa <laughs> unconditionally. And I'm very excited. Okay, so again, here's my only child selfish thing coming out. I'm really excited because Mandy's going. Mandy is the best youth pastor in California, most likely the best youth pastor in the world. And I know by going on this trip, she's not going to get 1% better. <laughs> she's going to get like 100-fold better. 
And that's just going to be translated into my kid and your kids if your kids are in the youth group. And the way that this went down, Pastor Larry's talking about going to Africa, and Amanda's like, ooh, I want to go. And he's like, okay, well, let's go. And she called him. She called him on his bluff. And she's like, let's make this thing happen. And it happened in a moment in a staff meeting. It's awesome, right? So we're excited about Mandy going and McKenna going, and they're going to they're gonna reach girls that are have, they're, they're transitioning into adulthood out of the orphanage, and they're going to come up with a plan, and, and I do believe, and God's already working on the creative solution to that problem, and they've got some exciting things to share. In the meantime, we're going to pray for them. Um, here's another homework assignment. Uh, I want you to pray for these servants, these, these donkeys that are carrying Jesus. They're carrying Jesus into Tanzania. <laughs> so, see, it's going to be a good trip. It's going to be a great trip. They're going to carry Jesus into difficult situations. Environments that don't want to hear the gospel. Environments that have been prone to violence to the gospel. And we're going to, God's going to protect them. So if I could have leaders and elders come to the front and we're just going to lay hands on them. And just put your um, just put these four faces in your mind, and they're going to be gone on a 15-day trip. Just put them in your mind every day as, as you as you do your daily prayers. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the 50-some odd mission trips that my dad has taken to Africa. And all of the seeds that has been planted there, some that have borne fruit, some that have yet to be have borne fruit. We thank you for what Regan and Pastor Larry have established over the years. I also thank you for the very first trip for these young ladies into our orphanages in Africa. We know that there is going to be a reaping of seed that has been planted years ago. And Mandy and McKenna are going to reap that harvest. Mm -hmm. And they're going to bring the joy of the Lord mm -hmm. to people that need it more than we do. <laughs> they're going to bring the joy of the Lord to those that, that are hurting, that, that, that need not only just a hand out, but they need a hand up. And so we just believe that there's going to be a redemption and lift during this 15-day short-term missions trip that is going to radically change that community. And we thank you so much for their faithfulness and their, their desire and their risk to go. Father, we pray that you would pour out your spirit on each Let's member go. of this team, that they would go in the power of your spirit, function in the power of your spirit, that they would do mighty deeds for your kingdom, Let's not go. because they're strong, but because they're strong in you. We pray that you would give them discerning hearts and ears that hear your voice. 
We pray that you would lead and guide their path, Lord, that they would walk the path that you have set for them to walk, that they wouldn't get sidetracked, they would never get off the path, Lord, but they would see the next step, that you would shine your light on it. We pray that they would be at the right place at the right time for every purpose that you have for them, and that in, in their hearts and their spirits, in their minds and their bodies, they'll be quickened and yes, ready God. to serve whatever you call on them to do, Lord. And we thank you. Yes, God. We thank you for your provision of divine health over all four of their bodies from head to toe, Lord. We thank you that as they go, you are there preparing their trip ahead, that you travel with them, and that you will follow behind. Yes, and we thank you, Lord, that you are the protection that they need on this trip. God, we just thank you for divine health, divine wisdom, and a divine excitement yes, Lord. to continue to pull your word, put your word over the, and increase your kingdom. And we just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we pray that there would be an impartation of gifts. Amen. Lord, as they are speaking to future leaders and leaders now um, in Tanzania. And God, we pray that you would impart the amazing gifts that Mandy, McKenna, Pastor Larry, and Regan Lord, we pray that you would impart that to this community and that you would make ways for new, new pathways, Lord, that you would open doors. Thank you, Lord, that you would use them to restore hope and vision. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. So, Lord, go before them. We ask that you send really cool angels. With cool faces yeah. before yes. them. Seraphim and cherubim, guardian angels that fight for you. We ask for traveling mercies and a divine supernatural health so that the gospel will be preached clearly. We thank you, Lord, so much for this team. Bless them in your name. Amen. 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 Would you get me a communion cup? <laughs> thank you guys so much for praying for this team um, I kind of forgot that it was Halloween today um, it's all Hallows Eve uh, we think it was a Christian holiday so whatever I'll take it I like it um, so I hope you guys have a great Halloween tonight um we're going to receive communion in a second if you want to grab your elements. I met a new friend last night, and he told me this story. He's on his way to work in the south. And he's driving these back roads, and it's dark. 
and he's got to get to his job because that's his livelihood, right? And his car breaks down in the middle of the sticks. Look at this is the south. There's no like street lights or anything. It's kind of scary. And this family, they pick him up. They take him to his work. They pick him up from his work. They had to spend the night in an apartment together. And this was all done. This act of kindness was all done without any conditions. They wouldn't receive any money. It was just a blessing. And I said, that's amazing. That would never happen in Southern California. But maybe it should. Maybe we should take a risk every once in a while and help somebody that needs it. The body of Christ, which was broken for you, also symbolizes the vehicle that brings the divine into our everyday. It's the donkey, if you will. We are the body of Christ. We get to be his hands and his feet, and again, his mouthpiece. Kim, do you have fingernails? Okay. <laughs> I was about oh wait, I think I got it. There we go. Got it. Thank you. The body of Christ. And I want you to think of it this morning that it's that beast of burden. Whether it's the ox or whether it's the donkey, it is the body of Christ that brings Jesus the spirit of the living God into people's hardships and their pain. And it lifts them up out of the muck and the mire and gives them hope and gives them provision. So your provision, everything that you need to make ends meet, to be socially normal, to be healthy, it is provided for you in the body of Christ. And in fact, you get to participate and play. You are his hands and feet. Receive the body of Christ. You guys are pretty cool. I know you love Jesus. And you are becoming better and better each and every day. But somebody in this room is going to sin this week. The faithful fall. Yeah? The faithful fall. Theologians and scholars, they argue and debate. Disagree about the minutiae. Families say things to each other that they should not say. And even saints will sin. But we have this cup. Jesus provides this cup for us for the forgiveness of our sins. It washes away all of our mistakes, our bad attitudes. When we should have the mind of Christ and we don't, it will cleanse our minds.
there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of innocent blood. And this cup is for you. It is for you today to get you right with the Lord. Receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Continue to cause his face to shine upon you, serve you. May he turn towards you in your times of need. May he fill your home with the peace of God that transcends all of your issues. May he give your heart courage today to get a little uncomfortable so that you can serve and be a donkey for him. God bless you guys. Have a great week.